Chapter 1 Why I feel the sudden urge to relate in pen and ink a relationship of the most personal nature, which I have never before acknowledged, I cannot say. Perhaps it is this maddening illness which has been troubling me now and again of late, this cunning reminder of my own mortality, that compels me to make some record of what happened, to prevent that memory from vanishing into the recesses of my mind, and from there to disappear forever from history, as fleeting as a ghost in the mist. Whatever the reason, I find that I must write it all down, for there may, I think, be speculation when I am gone. People may read what I have written and wonder, how could this spinster, this woman who to all appearances never even courted, who never felt that wondrous connection of mind and spirit between a man and woman, which, inspired by friendship and affection, blooms into something deeper, how could she have had the temerity to write about the revered institutions of love and courtship, having never experienced them herself? To those few friends and relations who, upon learning of my authorship, have dared to pose a similar question, although I must admit, in a rather more genteel turn of phrase, I have given the self-same reply. Is it not conceivable that an active mind and an observant eye and ear, combined with a vivid imagination, might produce a literary work of some merit and amusement which may, in turn, evoke sentiments and feelings which resemble life itself? There is much truth in this observation, but there are many levels of veracity, are there not, between that truth which we reveal publicly and that which we silently acknowledge in the privacy of our own thoughts and perhaps to one or two of our most intimate acquaintances. I did attempt to write of love, first in jest as a girl, then in a more serious vein in my early twenties, though I had known only young love then. In consequence, those early works were of only passing merit. It was only years later that I met the man who would come to inspire the true depth of that emotion, and who would reawaken my voice, which had long lain dormant. Of this gentleman, the one true great love in my life, I have for good reason vowed never to speak. Indeed, it was agreed amongst the few close members of my family who knew him that it was best for all concerned to keep the facts of that affair strictly to ourselves. In consequence, I have relegated my thoughts of him to the farthest reaches of my heart, banished for ever, but not forgotten. No, never forgotten. For how can one forget that which has become a part of one's very soul? Every word, every thought, every look and feeling that passed between us is as fresh in my mind now, years later, as if it had occurred only yesterday. The tale must be told, a tale which will explain all the others. But I get ahead of myself. It is a truth I believe universally acknowledged, that with few exceptions, the introduction of the hero in a love story should never take place in the first chapter, but should, ideally, be deferred to the third. That a brief foundation should initially be laid, acquainting the reader with the principal persons, places, circumstances, and emotional content of the story, so as to allow a greater appreciation for the proceedings as they unfold. Therefore, before we meet the gentleman in question, 
I must go further back to relate two events which occurred some years earlier, both of which altered my life, suddenly and irrevocably, in a most dreadful and painful way. In December 1800, shortly before the 25th anniversary of my birth, I had been away visiting my dear friend Martha Lloyd. Upon returning home, my mother startled me by announcing, Well, Jane, it is all settled. We have decided to leave Steventon behind us for good and go to Bath. Leave Steventon? I stared at her in disbelief. You cannot mean it. Oh, but I do, said my mother, as she bustled happily.